Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Time for farming. Farming with Mairead Lavery on Moncrief. Afternoon, Mairead. Hiya, Sean. How's things? Do you know a Gav in, who lives in Wexford? He might seem, a bit, might seem a bit stoned a lot of the time, uh, judging from his text. Uh, yeah, well, you never know what they're like over in Wexford. Uh, yeah, oh, you never know. Yeah, they're doing all no, sorts of county, you know, odd farming so, over there. Yes. Yeah, so they're, they're very, 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 very particular. <laughs> no, yes. Wexford. Don't look at that field. That's corn. No, no, no. It's corn. Yeah. Just just no, look away well, from no, it. But they really, no, as a county, though... Um, it's got a huge, you know, some counties like Cork would be noted for milk production or mayo for sheep production. But the utilisation of land in Wexford is absolutely amazing, you know, between the kind of the vegetable crops, the cereal crops, dairy and livestock. They really make the most of everything they have over there and deservedly, in my opinion, are called the model county. Right. OK. And that won't make me popular with the other 20, whatever, <laughs> 31 counties. But no, it, it's, it's really the, the, the agriculture was the, is, is and still is the backbone of that county. And, um, you know, it's, it's a bit like County Monaghan, where if you tell somebody you have three children and they're all in university, they look at you sorrowing, you know, sorrowfully. Basically saying why they hadn't they got the the energy or the enthusiasm or the creativity to be running their own businesses. Yes. So it's something <laughs> it's something like like that in in Wexford. You know that farming tradition is really really strong with very big numbers still fully involved because they're smaller farms but they're really utilised and you know the way different enterprises are managed on them. You know, it's, it's a credit to them. But, they, you know, there are the sunny southeast. That's a big help. And it's a lot of good land in the county as well. And that's a good help and a, and a strong tradition of farming in the county. Uh, right. Now, September, has it been a bit too warm from a farming point of view? Ah, not really. No, we won't. We won't kind of exit <laughs> at this stage and say anything is too warm. Um, yeah, it's been lovely and dry. So ground conditions. Now, you know, sometimes at this time of the year in September, once we hit into September, um, you, you end up in a situation where the ground is too wet and you can't leave the cattle out on it or the cows out on it because, you know, a cow has five mouths as such, four feet and a mouth. And when they all dig into wet ground, they really do make a mess of it and they, they poach it. And um, so often by this time of the year, kind of middle September, heading for the ploughing, you know, livestock would be going indoors and certain, certainly in certain some parts of the country. But this year... I don't think there's an animal in a shed anywhere um, uh, because the ground conditions have been great. They've been warm. They have been dry. And it meant that grass has kept coming and the animals haven't damaged the fields. So, you know, they're all still out. And that every day where you can keep uh, livestock out on grass is a real plus day. It means they're not inside in sheds. I mean, if they go in now, they wouldn't be out again until maybe next April. They're not inside in sheds. They're not costing all that money with cereals and electricity and labour and everything else that has to be done when you have maybe 150 dinner guests who are staying for breakfast, dinner and supper for maybe five months of the year. So it's great when um, when the weather kind of performs like it has and, and it really has performed absolutely lovely. Uh, and, and the other thing is because the ground temperatures are so high, even if the weather was to change uh, dramatically and go very bad, it would take a bit longer for the soil to catch up. So there'd still even be a bit of growth there um, because of the good conditions we've been having. And the bit of rain, we, we woke up this morning to glorious sunshine, like a June day. 
Then, of course, it took to rain. Now it's back to being overcast, but warm. And um, But, you know, the little bit of rain we got, actually, probably did everything the power of good. Right. So you couldn't be complaining about the weather at the moment. Uh, is all of that good or bad for blight? Yeah, it's the, it's a weather, it's the clammy weather. When you get clammy weather, you've got blight. And there's been an awful lot of blight warnings this year um, for the potatoes. Uh, that's the, the what's mainly affected. But also when it comes to blight warnings, sheep farmers go on the alert because you get this, and I know we've discussed it before and it's disgusting to be talking about it after tea. Um, but, uh, you know, you get this blow strike where, you know, you've got the blow fly and they lay their eggs in the fleece of sheep and they turn into maggots and they are unspeakably awful and they act really, really fast. They can overcome a yo if she was in a bad position or they attacked her in a bad position. They can overcome a yo in maybe 24 hours. And um, so you need to be on the, wa- the watch out for it. Now, we, we our sheep were down in a field which is in a bit of a hollow, and there wouldn't have been much crosswind in the field. But two of the O's got hit by the, um, the blowfly. Um, but luckily for, for us and for them, it was in their sides, and they were able to kind of scrape the, them off. They were able to rub them off. But we're having to check daily. Anytime there is a blight warning now, we're having to check the sheep every day to make sure that there's nobody, none have succumbed. We don't like putting, um, you know, any chemicals on them. And they were sheared and they were kept very tidy. So that should have been enough. But, uh, you know, you just have to watch it. So sheep farmers need to be aware of that. If you've got a nice windy location where they're grazing, that's a big help. But um, ours, unfortunately, were in a field now where there was very little wind. And um, and that was, a, 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 you know, made ideal conditions for blowfly strike. Yeah, and they, they just always sound disgusting. Uh, well it does but it is it is one of the the real things that you have to watch and you know your lambs may may be born you know lambs that you're keeping in the flock yo lambs in particular um uh, they were born maybe next last february or march and they've developed quite good fleeces and uh you know, you wouldn't have shorn them because you wouldn't. They wouldn't have been having fleeces back in June when you know you were getting the rest of the sheep sheared. So you have to keep a really staring eye on them. And uh, and of course, if they get the blowfly strike and they turn into maggots, then they go hide because they're out of the sunlight. And you know, they think that the sheep think that maybe will help. So you're having to look for them. You know, in any corners that they don't get get caught. And um, but it's a miserable, miserable kind of thing to happen. Mm. And um, and you need to be watching out for it every time you hear a blight warning for spots. Right. OK, so you want to talk about the next generation uh, of young farmers. Yeah, yeah. I have um, a niece and a nephew heading off to Agriculture College in the, la- in the next few days. And one of them gone already. And I was just thinking about them, you know, um, and, and thinking about the youngsters that are heading to university and to the, the ITs and to the agricultural colleges around the country. And there's a hell of a lot of them, you know. There's a lot of institutions doing an awful lot of ag-related courses. And I'm saying to myself, you know, aren't they brave? Um, you know, they're they're brave young people. They're going into, a, a, a um, you know, um, an enterprise or a career where they'll probably be given out to for most of their working life. They'll be told how to do things. Um They'll be told they're doing them wrong. Uh, what they did five years ago under instruction, they're told this year is absolutely anarchist, you know. Uh, so, um, like, did, I, I really do think they're, they're quite brave to go into farming considering the strictures uh, that they will face in their career, not to mind operating under new sets of rules all the time. And and also, I, I wish good luck to the, the many young people who are going into 
different careers in the food industry, um, going into the farm advisory sector, into farm tourism, engineering, design, international agri-sales. There's just so many careers out of the ag industry in this country. And, you know, they, the young people that are heading to, to do the more general courses where they're at the business end of agriculture, and then the young people, the trainee young farmers, you know, they're the next generation to steer the future of what is the country's biggest indigenous industry. And there seems to be plenty of interest still and plenty of people, you know, willing to, to take on the baton. And I think, you know, one of the things that I, I would, um, I, I would, would I accuse uh, the professional classes of, of, and the civil service classes of, you know, not treating farmers as professionals. There might have been a time where, you know, you kept away, kept the child at home, um, you know, because it, maybe he wasn't or she wasn't too good at school and, uh, you know, they turned them into a farmer um, and they had no train and only never moved off a farm, only on their own parents' farm. And, you know, there were a lot of them around, round square, mm. round pegs and square holes. But um, the young farmers today who are choosing to go down the route and the people in the, in, the, in the different industries in it, they're all highly professional. They're highly educated, um, you know, with, with practical education and theoretical education. And they have wide experience, particularly working on other farms in different parts of the country and even across Europe and America. And they, farmers probably, you know, were all advised to do continuing professional development. But actually, farmers are never finished doing it. I mean, there's a farmer in the country um, who's serious about their business who isn't either involved in a discussion group or involved in, um, you know, some sort of training with an agency or some sort of training with the Department of Agriculture. So, you know, um, and and I don't think uh, some people take that into account at all. They think they're just a group of people there to be shouted at and to be constantly lectured to and told you know what they should be doing with their with their land and and it shouldn't be the case uh, I think farmers are very much equal partners here and they need to be talked to and talked with rather than talked at. Uh, the, that, that generation though who are going to college now is like apart from those who will go and just get you know get a job in the agri-food mm. industry but the ones yeah. who might hope to actually farm land the chances yeah. are the chances of that getting smaller for them. Well, not well. There's there's lots of different ways now. Like when I was growing up, you know, the eldest son inherited. Full stop. End of story. Maybe the youngest fellow either. Um, yeah, and that was it, and that was the way it was. And there was very few routes into farming, except you know inheritance. But nowadays, there's you know families are much smaller. Um, girls are inheriting. Um, there's an awful lot of farm partnerships where people are involved, not necessarily related. Um, there's a, a whole matching service for people who maybe have nobody interested in farming and who want to still stay somewhat involved and, and you know, not close the gates on the place. And they're going into um, partnership arrangements and long term leases uh, with other with young farmers, maybe from the locality. So there's there's a load of different ways now of getting into the far, into farming that weren't there maybe 20, 25 years ago. And, you know, and, and the, they recognise that with smaller families, you know, people may not in the family, you know, if you, you maybe if you had seven or eight kids 30 years ago, there's only two kids in those families nowadays. And maybe they don't want to farm and they don't see their future at that. But there are lots of other options for to get people who are madly keen into farming. And, uh, you know, Chagas in particular, the, the, the training um, 
body for farming uh, would, would have all the details of that and would have all the options that yeah. people can look at. And for the second year in a row, uh, no ploughing. I know, yeah, we should be all down in Ratanisca. Yes. Um, there, there's, a, there's a bunch of them down there. I think a thousand people are being let in and the, the ploughing is going ahead, which is great. Um, that's great news. And, uh, and the, the winners of that ploughing competitions, they will be going on to represent Ireland internationally. But not alone were we supposed to, um, you know, have the ploughing and all the trade stands and all the rest of it. We were actually holding the World Championships this year. So hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get back to them maybe next year. So I, I'd like to wish um, Anna May and Anna Marie McHugh and everybody involved really, really the best of success. And mm-hmm. we're already getting, the, people use the um, the ploughing to, you know, to launch different competitions and different events and products and all the rest of it. But um, there's a lovely kind of um, schools project that's uh, run by the Certified Irish Angus uh, um, Beef uh, Group. And it's, it's a schools competition for transition year uh, students. And a, ABP and KeePak are involved. And basically five schools have won the chance to rear um, uh, an Angus animal for, what, I think about 18 months. And uh, so there are schools from all over the country. But one of the schools is actually St. Louis High School in Ratmines in Dublin. Mm. So we wish them all the best of success for the next 18 months. And um, they're all going to be doing all the, the schools which go from Galway, they're Longford, Roscommon, Kerry, Tipperary. Um, all of them will be rearing the animals and uh, they have different projects to develop and themes to develop and uh, they'll be judged on that. And there's some very nice prizes at the end of it. Right. But it's a, it's a novel way of, it's a novel project for transition year students. Well, uh, no doubt this time next year, Mairead, we'll be having this conversation uh, on the back of a truck or inside uh, some <laughs> class of a tent uh, while the rain is pelting down outside. Uh, thanks a million. Yeah. As ever, Mairead Lavery there. You are listening to The Moncrief Show and you Talk. We're going to take a break after that. 15 years in Guantanamo Bay. Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again.